Welcome to the Local Marketing Trends Podcast, bringing you unique insights on the ever-changing world of local marketing from two of the industry's brightest analysts and forecasters, Corey Elliott and Gordon Burrell. Today's podcast is sponsored by Digital Analytics Pro, a white label agency offering a full suite of digital, video, and audio solutions for your clients. And Affinity X, the best and largest creator and executor of digital advertising solutions for leading ad agencies nationwide. And now, here are your hosts, Corey and Gordon. Hello, everybody, and welcome to 2021. Welcome to the Local Marketing Trends Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Elliott, and with me is Mr. Gordon Burrell. Hey, Corey, guess what? It's going to be a different, interesting, probably a great year, don't you think? <laughs> Do you think it's going to be as great a year as you said 2020 was going to be? Did I say 2020 was going to be great? You absolutely did. In fact, I have proof here. We're going to play the clip from oh, one no. year ago, oh, January no. 2020. This is what you said about 2020. Hello, everybody, and welcome to 2020. It's the new year, Corey. Happy New Year, bro. What's a great year it's going to be? So what do you think? Is it still <laughs> going to be a great year? We were, uh, to be fair, everybody was feeling the same way. There was going to be a lot of political advertising. This big bonanza was going to come down. The money was going to rain from the sky. Nobody even knew what the hell COVID was, you know, this time last year. So, well, it, it it shows how flaky predictions can be, right? At least you said flaky predictions can be. I thought you were going to go somewhere else with that. <laughs> <laughs> predictions you know it, it just it, we're amazed at the end of last year do you see some of those predictions that, that came in there was one from from e-marketer of all places and here yeah. we go here drum roll big predictions ready yeah first party data will rain <laughs> on what yeah for first party data will rain doesn't mean anybody knows what to do with it disney will become a streaming heavyweight disney is already a streaming heavyweight <laughs> you got a favorite don't you yeah, the the thing I, I love it when predictions. First of all, God bless them for for doing this, right? Because uh, to g- put yourself out there and predict, good luck to you. But I love the the first one. Big tech may be reined in. <laughs> How is that a prediction? Or may not? We said yeah, exactly. <laughs> we met dinosaurs might come back. Yeah, well. There's my prediction. Thank you. I do have a prediction for 2021. And, okay. and it goes along my theory. We stopped doing predictions several years ago and we realized yeah. that they were just kind of ridiculous. Um, but but there is one and it goes along my theory that you really should be paying attention to all these new things that are coming up and everybody's, you know, screaming about until you can't ignore them anymore. And toward the end of last year, TikTok became that. Uh, we found that 3%, I think, of of uh, advertisers were trying to use TikTok in some way, stretching to maybe 6% in 2021. Yeah. Uh, so, so we said, wow, advertisers are suddenly interested in it. And then also Facebook users, their fourth year in, which was 2008, were at about 100 million U.S. users. And TikTok, its fourth year in, is in about 100 million U.S. users. And TikTok has got far greater legs because uh, most of their fan base is outside of the U S and yeah. you know, they're, they're not quite where, uh, Facebook is. I think they're at half as many total, fa- uh, Facebook users nationwide, but they're only four years in plus see what happened on, uh, on new year's, all these kids yeah, watching this Cardi B, uh, Cardi and B? little Yachty and, <laughs> and these others on TikTok. My daughter had her face in the phone all night, you know, and 
I can remember watching Guy Lombardo's uh, New Year's, you know, Old Lang Syne uh, ballroom uh, bands back in the 60s. And my parents, you know, when I said, hey, can we turn it to uh, Dick Clark's New Year's Rock and Eve? And they said, oh, it's the ruination of children, you know. And then Ryan Seacrest came along and he changed it up a little bit. And now we've got, you know, the kids going into TikTok. I don't think it's the ruination of anything. I think it's a really, really interesting trend. I think the big effect, Corey, is on TV. Yeah, I think the big effect will be on TV, obviously, because it's a you know a, a video play. It's going to be interesting to see if TikTok ages, if they grab a hold of that age group and age with them uh, throughout the years, or they're going to treat keep trying to reinvent themselves. But yeah, I, I think the the real threat, um, <laughs> TikTok is right on top of OTT as a threat to linear TV. Yeah, I think so too. But you're talking about aging. I just got to remind you, Paul McCartney is on TikTok. And who was on the New Year's uh, TikTok program, New Year's Eve program? Mick Fleetwood. So, ah. so they're reaching out. And I gave it a peek now. And then I think it's ridiculous. That was my official line to my kids. Um, but it's interesting and it's, it's, it's addictive. Well, that, that is, I mean, that's what happened to Facebook, right? Facebook aged up. They got more and more older people like, you know, old farts like you on Facebook. And then that's when younger people abandoned Facebook. Did you just so call me an old fart? Is that yes, I did. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So, yeah, I do think there's a, there's a threat here to TV because this younger generation is being trained, you know, not to look at the big TV box, but to look yep. down at that small phone of theirs and to take things in much smaller clips. So, so linear TV is very challenged. Yeah, it is very challenging, and which is a great, great uh, idea that you had of, of interviewing Emily Barr, the 2020 broadcaster of the year. Yeah. And asking her to take a look at what, okay, that was 2020. What does 2021 uh, hold, you know, and, and the future, there's some interesting questions uh, in that interview. You want to get to that? Yeah, let's do that. But first let's hear from our sponsors. Looking for a full service digital agency that can make your job easier and turnkey? Digital Analytics Pro delivers results that matter to you and your clients in a simple and straightforward way. Digital Analytics Pro is a single source agency and platform offering a full suite of digital, video, and audio solutions designed to help maximize your clients' campaigns. Find out more at digitalanalyticspro.com or give us a call at 617-681-4622. Affinity X is a trusted partner among leading digital marketing agencies. They can help you retain and grow your customer base with a complete product and service solution. Turn fixed costs into variable costs with a trusted outsourced partner. Scale your business with quicker turn times and flawless delivery, and reduce costs and improve margins. Affinity X is unmatched in experience, solutions, and technology that drives results. They can help your agency thrive in the increasingly competitive digital marketing landscape. Visit them at AffinityExpress.com to learn more. My guest today is Emily Barr, who's considered by many to be one of the brightest and by those whose opinions really matter to be the best broadcast executive in the business. She's on the board of the Associated Press, Television Bureau of Advertising, the National Association of Broadcasters Leadership Foundation. She chairs NAB's television division. She's vice chair of the NBC affiliate board. Oh, I got more. There's more here. The past chair of the ABC Board of Governors and the Illinois Broadcasters Association. Oh, and I almost forgot she was named Broadcaster of the Year in 2020. Of course, that was last year. So, Emily, welcome to the show. First question, what do you got for us this year? 
oh, you know, it's uh, nothing's going on. Everything's going to be great. Everything's um, going back to normal. Yeah, everything's going back to normal. As soon as I get my shot, we're all good to go. <laughs> That's good. You know, uh, a, a, a couple of months ago, we had an interview with, uh, with Don Graham, uh, chairman of Graham uh, Holdings. Uh, and he called you the best TV executive in the business. Why do you suppose he did that? <laughs> well, I think you're going to have to ask Don that question. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I I actually, you know, I prefer to brag about Graham Media Group, right? I I think we're we're a really successful media group, despite what I would call our modest size. And I like to think we tend to punch above our weight in terms of our impact and profitability and leadership in the industry. And I would really give all the credit to our to my colleagues across the group. I just try to, you know, hire good people, stay out of their way, and then they make me look good. So you do have a lot of great people at, uh, at Graham Media. Very fortunate, but you are uh, a great leader, as many, many will attest. Let's go way back before. I've got a lot of questions for you. I, I want to fit in, sure. but how'd you get into the TV business? Oh, so it's a it. So here's the short story. I went to Carleton College in Minnesota, and um, I thought I was going to become a documentary filmmaker. But what happened was I wound up interning at a TV station in Minneapolis, uh, the Hubbard station, and that actually led to my first job while I was actually still in my senior year. And um, I discovered a love for TV news, and 40 years later, here we are. That's great. So you came up on the news side, but you also yep. had. Uh, other uh, editing, writing, creative, uh, general manager uh, positions as, as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I got to do a little of everything. So tell us about Graham Media for those who aren't all that familiar with uh, with Graham. Sure. So we used to be called Post Newsweek, uh, as you know, and uh, we are a collection of seven large to media market media hubs. I don't even call them TV stations anymore. Um, plus, we own the wonderful platform Social News Desk. So we have affiliations with ABC, NBC, CBS, and the CW. And in the case of our Jacksonville property, uh, it is probably the finest and most watched fully local TV station in the country, what you, what some people would call an independent station. Uh, but each property produces a substantial amount of local news, local programming, documentaries, that sort of thing. And um, and they've all become very successful and developed really strong web and mobile sites. So they can reach users, you know, all across the communities. And in the case of Social News Desk, uh, we provide software services to over 2,500 newsrooms worldwide to help them more easily disseminate news across social platforms. So we actually work with newspapers, radio stations, and TV stations when it comes to social news desks. With social news desks. That's great. You know, you were quoted in uh, the fall of 2020. I think it was in your acceptance speech for the Broadcaster of the Year Award. It was a TVB meeting, I think. But yep. you were saying the industry should consider these boutique-type businesses, and you said saying scale, I'm reading it here, saying scale is the only path to success fails to consider the nimbleness we possess. Was that a reference to Social News Desk? And can you explain that a little bit more? It was really a reference to our entire company, because I think one of the advantages of being the size we are, we're in these larger markets. So we have good connectivity in these big markets and we can be profitable, but we are nimble in the sense that we don't have a massive corporate staff. We don't have lots of layers. You know, when we decide to do something, we literally can just dive in and do it. Uh, and we're not weighed down, if you will, um, you know, by all the corporate hierarchy that often 
comes yeah. with larger companies. Yeah, it's good to be small, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, so when I've asked TV exec, executives, and this has troubled me for for a while, um, isn't TV now on the chopping blocks like newspapers were a decade ago? And the same response comes back: TV's insulated. That is, when the Great Recession hit ten years ago, TV and newspaper revenues declined roughly the same percentage, but TV came back and newspapers didn't. So their success were insulated. But don't major TV disruptors exist right now that weren't around in, in 2008, 2009? Oh, well, there's no question. There are headwinds that we didn't have in 2008. I mean, you've got a lot of cord cutting, more audience fragmentation than ever, You know, programmatic buying and selling, an aging audience. All these things are real threats. But I believe we still have the biggest and most efficient megaphone around. And we don't have natural predators the way newspapers did, you know, with things like uh, Craigslist uh, or monster.com or whatever. So my theory is that as long as people live in communities, send their children to school, pay taxes, that sort of thing, there will be a distinct need for local news and information. And I would argue that TV has become more necessary now than ever before because newspapers, sadly, you know, are no longer able to fill that void the way they used to. So what we have to do as an industry is take, you know, the friction out of the buying process in a way that protects our value and doesn't become a race to the bottom. And we obviously have to remain very relevant in the way we produce and distribute news. So that's what we're trying to do. So let's talk about Graham's strategy then to be the number one station, I guess, in news in, in, in each market. And I'm sure other stations have that type of strategy, but talk about that for a moment. Why is that so important? Yeah. And well, and let me preface that by saying we're not trying to be just number one in TV, but also probably more importantly in digital and mobile. Um, I think that if we're the most watched and the most accessed medium locally, it's much harder for an advertiser to work around us. And, and we become more valuable to them as they strive to reach their customers. Because, you know, the days of buying four and five deep in terms of stations or, or websites or whatever, they're already over. So that's the reason why we're so focused on being, you know, at the top of our game in each of these markets. Mm -hmm. we, we just we can't afford to have an advertiser look at us and say, yeah, you know, they're number three or four. We don't really need to buy them. But you said number one in, in digital. What yep. does that mean? How do you translate that? Well, it means um, it means a couple of things. It means number one in terms of uh, uh, the the you know if you look at Google Analytics, the number of uh, users who access us, uh, the length of time they're on our sites. You know, you can measure that many different ways. Um, and we, in fact, do have the number one sites in all of our markets. And I give all the credit to Catherine Battlemente, our our chief innovation officer and her team, uh, because they've been laser focused on this for years and something that we've, you know, really, really worked at. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's, it's critical because again, you know, we're a local business, you know, this is the thing that we all forget. You know, we, we think about our ABC and NBC affiliations and things like that. And that's great. But really the way we're defined is by what we produce locally in terms of news and local programming. Let's, let's talk about the transition from broadcast uh, TV advertising to targeted TV. And it does appear in a lot of cases to be a transition from one to the other. Uh, targeted TV is cheaper. Our latest survey from uh, back in November showed agencies are taking money from broadcast budgets to pay for cheaper 
OTT and streaming video. Meanwhile, Emily, we're seeing that true to any disruption, all this targeted video advertising is creating an entirely new market of people who've never been able to afford TV, typically yep. radio and, and outdoor buyers. So, so manage that, managing that internally has got to be a really, really difficult thing at Graham. Do you think stations should try to mitigate that transition to protect the bigger broadcast dollars? And if so, how, how do you do that? Well, first of all, I would say um, we're not interested in trading broadcast dollars for streaming OTT dollars. I mean, I think our sellers, what we're trying to do is retrain our sellers to talk about the power of broadcast plus digital as being the most powerful one-two punch for advertisers. It's not... I don't think it's a wise strategy to cut out the top of the funnel where I believe we reside and replace us with the bottom of the funnel just because of price. So we're in the process right now of literally retraining all of our sellers to be focused on, you know, providing clients with very strong ROI, conversion metrics, things like helping them understand, you know, number of units sold, foot traffic, all those kinds of things, which can provide um, which we can provide by helping them analyze their own Google Analytics, you know, whether it's for digital, OTT, whatever. I mean, we're in this, you know, Gordon, we're in this data-rich world right now. And I think we're in a particularly good position to help our clients not only access the data, but use it to their advantage. Yeah. So if we do that, and we don't have to give up on the broadcast side or, you know, trade one for the other, we can actually hopefully combine, you know, one plus one and make it three. That's smart, smart strategy. So, so it's it's really difficult to predict uh, what's going to happen in 2021. When will we get back to normal? What does normal look like? I'm going to make it even harder for you, Emily. Paint a picture for us of what, let's say, one of your stations looks like in in 2030. Okay, mm-hmm. it's that's that's <laughs> sure, pretty no far problem. out there. No problem. <laughs> So how about WIDIV in Detroit or pick Jacksonville if you want? You know what what does the station of that future look like to you? So, um, so a couple of things. So obviously, as I mentioned earlier, we are very focused on the digital side of our business, right? It's not digital, you know, some people might say, oh, digital is just a little bit of your business, but it's pretty significant money that we're generating in digital these days. And the growth there is much greater, you know, on a percentage basis uh, than it ha- than core TV, which obviously was down this past year. Um, I think if you look at a station like WDIV, a healthy media hub in Detroit, they'll be generating revenue from traditional advertising, from direct-to-consumer subscription and events, retrans, obviously, um, marketing services, and hopefully a number of other services made possible by the full realization of ATSC 3.0. I mean, right now, you, you know, we're engaged in exploring membership efforts, which <laughs> was going really well until COVID hit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you couldn't have events, but we're, you know, we're finding other ways to do virtual events and that sort of thing, but things that tie back to our core offerings of local news and programming. And I suspect in 2030, who can say really, but I think our re- revenue is going to come from a multitude of places, not just one or two. And that's probably what ultimately is going to keep us, you know, healthy and relevant. Will people be getting their news from TikTok in 2030? Do you think that's going to happen? I don't know that TikTok's even going to be around in 2025. I don't know about that. I don't know. People were saying that about Facebook 10 years ago. Well, look at Quibi. I mean. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Quibi. (laughs) 
A lot of opportunity ahead. Thank you. And it's great, Emily, with all of that uncertainty and, and complexity in the future to have somebody like you uh, at the helm and leading the way with uh, with Graham and the various industry organizations. Thank you very much for your for leadership role. Thanks for being on the program. Thank you. And and uh, I appreciate all of your insights and, uh, and uh, thoughts on the industry. It's always, always wonderful to hear what you've got to say, too. So thank you and Happy New Year. I really like that interview. She's really, Emily's really uh, pleasing to listen to. I think she has a lot of energy. She's going to do great things, but man, it's going to be an uphill battle for, for her, I think. Yeah, I, you know, with the absence of political dollars, that's one thing. Uh, a lot of TV still face some internal resistance, not particularly at Graham. They've uh, got Catherine Badalamente there is really driving digital, but they still at other stations have some resistance for digital. And then there's that innovator's dilemma. How do you sell one product that is, you know, much, much cheaper OTT, but a very, very hot product? And preserve the bigger product with higher margins, you know, linear TV uh, commercial programming. It's going to be very tough for them. Yeah, it's not. And it's not just us. Um, Integral Ad Science did a study back in October of U.S. digital media professionals. And they asked them, okay, what kind of media do you think is going to be challenged in the next 12 months? The number one thing they said Linear TV, 55% said linear TV is going to be challenged, 51% said social media, and then it fell off from there. So, it's going into 2021 with people going, ooh, I don't know about linear TV. Yeah, and my fear is that there's a lot of the same language we heard from newspapers in 2008, uh, you mm-hmm. know, just before the recession of, you know, we're insulated, we're the big players, you know, we're still delivered in nearly half of all homes. And, you know, there are just so many things. We're number one in news. We have much more depth to us. We've gotten a little more chops on the on the web. And then they just kind of collapse. But it's almost some of the same exact language. That worries me. I think they have more assets. I think one of the big asset television has is that there's, you know, they're on a pipe in the house already. It's not yeah. like a newspaper that has to be delivered. So, you know, you may you know, zip past it. You may be distracted because you're on Hulu or you're on Netflix or something like that. But great example, you know, we had, uh, I think it was Christmas Eve, a, a tornado warning in the area. And what? did I turn on? Was it my cell phone? Was it my radio? Was it, did I run out to the driveway to see if I could get the newspaper? (laughs) Turned on the TV and I turned on Wavy TV 10, the NBC affiliate uh, in town. Um, And that's a good thing. Yeah. And that's the, the analogy is there between newspapers back then and TV now. I totally get that. But then there is a fundamental difference in that newspapers had to fundamentally change to get from a printed product onto a website that's two different delivery systems as opposed to a video a newscast now you're talking about a delivery system is it coming in via cable an antenna or online it's still the newscast and right now in 2020 one out of four households in the u.s have cut the cord in 2023 it's going to be one out of three so that's fundamentally changing yeah that's going to be a challenge. There's just far too much noise on the video landscape, far too many opportunities to be distracted. And I think another really interesting thing, IAB did a study. I wanted to talk a little bit about this because I think there's a clue here for linear TV and it goes back to something Emily talked about. Uh, The first stat is they asked um, some U.S. agencies and brand marketers, okay, you you love OTT, you're taking money and putting it into OTT. Where is that money coming from? And overwhelmingly, 60% of 
uh, said linear TV. It's coming from my linear TV budgets. And that's where we're going to take that. Remember, Emily talked about she's not interested in just taking linear TV dollars and, and shoving it into OTT, anything like that. But that's where uh, that's where they're going to find the money. Now, here's the clue, Gordon. Here's what I think is really interesting. That same study asked him, okay, you love OTT. You're taking money from linear TV. Why? Why do you love OTT? What, what about it? And 81% said targeting and efficiency. Makes sense. Oh, you can target. Okay, yeah, I, I understand that. Only 18% said because it has proven ROI. Hmm. And I think that's really important because now what they're saying is they're banking on the capabilities rather than looking at the results. And that's something that Emily said she was teaching all of her reps is how do you take them through uh, an advertiser through ROI analysis. And I think that's critically important. That's absolutely important. That's why I started our business 20 years ago. Burrell Associates was to really follow the money and look at what's happening uh, with, with advertisers. That is is probably your more important audience. <clears throat> of course, the, the news audience is important, but if you're not serving those advertisers and providing great ROI for them in many different formats, whether it's digital or linear TV or OTT or, or listings or whatever, you know, they're going to abandon you. And there's a pretty significant, roughly half of the money uh, that goes to a television stations from advertising uh, and hundred percent for radio and 70% for newspapers. So, you know, that's a big, big part of the equation that needs to be solved. Absolutely. And remember, there's a difference between providing ROI and proving ROI. That's the, the hurdle that has to be leapt. Yep. Or leaped. I don't know. Well, leapt or leaped. <laughs> Well, Corey, thank you. Uh, enjoyed our first podcast of the year and onward into 2021. Everybody, chins up. All right. I predict it's going to be a great year, Gordon. Me too. <laughs> You've been listening to the Local Marketing Trends Podcast, sponsored by Affinity X and by Digital Analytics Pro. If you have submissions or ideas for future shows, or if you'd like to be a guest, email the hosts at podcast at Associates.com. Thanks for listening, and remember, market well.